So last, no, no, two weeks ago, um, we started in Romans 12 and started looking at the importance of truly being surrendered to him in this whole area of gifts. It is essential that we lay our lives down and allow him to completely rebuild us. Um, Otherwise, we will take gifts and use them to build our own thing. More than likely not even realize you're doing it. And this is where things like my ministry, you hear it? My ministry. I've got a ministry. It's his ministry. It's not your or my ministry. It's his ministry. And he invites you in to minister into his ministry. And that's part of why we must die. Because if we don't die, we still think it's about us and we are going to change the world. We are going to do this and we are going to do that. No, he is going to do that in and through us. But we realize we are just the people that turn up. And his power in us is what does the work in us and through us. And so we're not void of the process. And this is where the trick is because it's like, but you're there. You're the one that's physically there. That's right, but I don't do it. He does it through me. And it's from a place of absolute rest of what you just heard from what Trina said. So every work that comes forth in and through is always, if it's an eternal work, done from rest. Not stress, not worry, not anxiety, not trying to, not trying to accomplish. It's all done through the vehicle called Christ, rest, Sabbath, rest. That's how you know if you're fully surrendered or not. You're still trying. It's a lot of hard work, and that's where it's really hard. People say, this thing's hard. Yeah, because you haven't yet died. You're still trying to create life that you can't do. And so that's why this is so important, and that's why we want to start there, because it defines Everything. Clear? So God is very precise in how the giftings are to operate. It's not willy-nilly. It's not, I'll give it a go. He has a definite pattern in which he operates too that he's trying to get us to see. So then as one people, we flow together. So the arm is not opposite to the leg. They move together. It's like a perfect athlete. His legs aren't trying to go that way, why his hands go that way, his head's turning that way. That's quite a mess. And as a body, we are to move as one. So we don't move out of step with each other. That's why we are intrinsically linked together through the spirit. Flesh hates it, man. Flesh wants to go do its own thing, wants to be independent, doesn't want to have to depend on anyone else but itself. But God says, no, that's not how this thing works. You are to be interdependent on each other. So that's just a little bit of context for two weeks ago to help us and keep that as the foundation in which you launch from when we do get to looking at gifts and you discover what gift you may have because that's going to be a reference for how you would want to understand the gift you have, the purpose of the gift, when and why and how you would utilize and use the gift because it's not about us. It's not about us doing. It's like, does he say, go? If he's not saying, don't. Cool. So we're just going to go from verse 3. So this is Romans 12, verse 3. And we're just going to see how we go. Um, It says, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. I'm going to go to Sam and see what Sam wants to throw out there on that. Cool. Um, First thing I find really interesting is it says, um, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than you ought to think. And it's interesting that we, we heard about grace last week. And it's easy to think of you know, the misconception of grace being what takes you out of hell and brings you into heaven. But actually the way that when you start to see that grace is much more about a divine power that lives inside of you 
that enables you to live like Christ. You'll start to see it everywhere. And the first thing that Paul talks about is he says, through the grace given me, um, I say to you, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. So to me, I, I thought interesting that it's the, this grace working within the man gives him a perspective on himself and on other people that makes him humble. Interesting, eh? So I wonder if you've ever come across grace in the, in the context of the Bible before and thought, oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me. It's not taking you from being a, I don't know, a drug addict. To, it's taking you from maybe potentially being full of pride to being broken and becoming humble. That's the grace of God. It's transforming. It's empowering. It does a work on your inner realm and your inner core that changes you as a believer. So I, I think, um, man, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that would save the church from living in her own capacity and her own ability and rescues her out of that state of pride and brings her into a place of a humility of the spirit where that as a body, we no longer are individuals, trust in ourselves, trust in our own ability of living from an earthly life source, but have actually received um, this true spiritual food that makes us, that it talks about the Israelites in the wilderness, that it said that God allowed them to go, hum, uh, to go hungry so that they would know that man no longer lives on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So, Grace, I think, is is powerful and and it's awesome, eh? In that in that context, so those are my initial thoughts. Awesome. Any thoughts, Chris or Sandra? I guess the whole thing, particularly about um, not thinking more highly than yourself, when you look at the the New Testament, particularly before the Holy Spirit was poured out, what was raging amongst the the apostles? You know, am I greater than the others? Am I you know, and when Jesus washed their feet, you know, this was like, what are you doing? It's a servant's job. Totally the wrong mentality. You know, and, and Jesus talks about serving one another, and he said, among you, it sure ought not to be. In other words, we, we think highly of ourselves, and we look at others. So it's like those two that were praying in the temple, and one said, you know, oh, I'm glad I'm not like him. What was that mentality and it's the same thing with the gifts that God gives us. When we become very proud in our own gifts or we're pr proud with what God's given us, we can start to look down on others and we can start judging them from a wrong, totally wrong perspective. And I guess one of the greatest examples of that is Simon, who was uh, a, a sorcerer who becomes, gets saved. He's a very popular guy. He's, he, he knows how to draw a crowd. He knows how to do all the, the right type of things in the eyes of the world. He gets saved, but his mind's not renewed. And there's a, trans, there's a transformation process that has to take place. When he sees um, Peter come and laying hands on people and seeing the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and people filled with different gifts, he wants that. And there's a real cry within his heart. But why is that there? What's the underlying motive? If we're not discerning, we could think, wow, he's really king. He's really good. But because of an unrenewed mind, he's after position. He's after popularity. He's after that, look at me, everybody. You know, and he tries to buy it. It's a wrong mentality that distorts the true gift of what God wants to give us. And so that's so important why we have to allow ourselves to, to die to ourselves, so that the gift doesn't become up on the pedestal where we're trying to put ourselves. So it's so important. I think pride is also the flip side of pride is that where you don't want to acknowledge you have something, and so you don't use it. So you can have a pride that you know goes after, and a pride that doesn't go after. So it's false humility, which is for false pride as well. And uh, these are the tensions that exist. You know, you've got the one who wants and the one that doesn't want, and both are wrong. And yeah. you see that in the context of Peter, you know, in, uh, is it Peter and Jesus when it says, uh, the scripture that um, someone was talking about before about washing his feet, you know, he says, um, oh, no, no way, don't, don't wash my feet, you're way too holy for me. 
And then he said, Jesus says, no, unless I wash your feet, you've got no place in me. And so Peter's like, oh, sweet as, you know, if you're going to wash my feet, why not my whole body? You know, like, and you can see the two, he flip-flops, eh? You know, two sides of the flesh, you know, two sides of one coin. But it takes until this, this process that we so beautifully heard about this morning of, of brokenness and a um, breaking of his pride that ultimately led to true humility in the end. So. The thing is that um, f- flesh is flesh. It will be flesh. It will always be flesh. Whatever it's going to manifest, whether it's pride or false humility, it's still flesh. And, and the, the plan of God is that just like the heavens declare his glory and that what is made declares both the eternal power and the divine nature of God. His plan is that we would do the same. So to have the power of God through the gifts, but not the divine nature, because we are not participating in the divine nature, is to misrepresent him. So the church is to become the demonstration of who God is. And the, the power of this is that we can't look at that and say, you're not to think more highly of yourself. Oh, I'm, I've got to work it out. No, you, you've got to stop trying and realize that every process of you trying to make yourself have the right attitude is flesh. You can't. You literally cannot. The the. The whole thing is that they're spiritual gifts. So they must be under the control and possession of the spirit. Which is why we need grace. And so there's so much in here, even if just Paul is what he's saying. I've been given a grace, so I have knowledge. It's the grace that empowers the knowledge. And I love what he says, so you can have sound judgment which is discernment, because we say, oh, we're not supposed to judge. Yeah, we are. You're supposed to judge because God's going to judge the church first, but the judgment isn't self-righteous judgment. It's true discernment to be able to see what is, and grace enables that. So then you walk in an alignment, and so you make a right discernment of the reality that is. So then as a body, we all walk in a right judgment. Hence, judgment is going to start with us. Did we reflect, were we our demonstration, a reflection of who we were supposed to be on earth as a body? That's what we're all going to be asked. You know, So grace is vital because as we heard, grace is power and grace is the divine influence that brings you into this realm of the spirit. Without grace, we're trying. And so we surrender and let go. And then he says, you know, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So when we receive Christ, we receive a measure of faith. Okay, It's not faith. Remember this morning, faith and trust are different things. We receive a measure of a knowledge of God. So I'm hoping everyone in this room, your measure might be this, that God in your knower is absolutely him, and what he says is, that may be all you have right now of faith, that you know that you know that you know that you know that God is real, and no one could argue you out of that. Do you have that faith, that knowledge that you know? That may be all you have, which is cool, and without it, you can't please God, but that he wants to grow and enlarge through revelation, through grace. So the grace comes, the divine influence of power, and your faith enlarges because of revelation. That's why you can only work inside the jurisdiction of your faith. And so revelation and faith are intrinsically linked. What he's saying really is you have little revelation. You have little faith. You who have little knowledge of what is in me. But that's cool because I want to give you great faith through my grace, through your surrender. So this is so aligned to all the gifts. Because as we're going to look at, he says, prophesy according to the proportion of your faith. 
So your prophecy is in proportion, the jurisdiction of what you know. Don't step outside of that sucker and start saying this and this and this and this and I think this and I think that because that's you, okay? So all this is linked and it's intrinsically built into a very definite pattern. So the body of Christ flows as the body of Christ. It's a well-oiled machine, okay? All the parts fit. You can't take that part and try and put it on that part, it doesn't work. She'll be right. doesn't go in this. Okay? Oh, we'll just tweak that, modify that. I think we can bend that. No, 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 no. You're going to get a dysfunctional model. Okay? So as he's saying, there's a sound judgment. So Paul has sound judgment to see. He has faith. And faith, as we looked at, it's faith as is written. So who can tell me what faith is from God's perspective? That's where it is, but what does it say? Someone yell it out because we can't hear it. (laughs) The assurance of what's hoped for, not wishful thinking, and the conviction or the evidence of what is unseen. So God has given at a measure of that a knowledge. It's knowledge. It's the knowing of something of God. And that's what we would live from, okay? And he wants to grow that. So where does faith come from? And hearing what? Okay, so man does not live by bread alone, but by? Right. Do you see there's a different mode of operation now? So what we were talking about with the flesh life, the spirit life, So the spirit is fed by the word of God. So this is that we no longer live by these other words, but we are only living by the word that he reveals. So this becomes what is revealed in us, so that becomes our measure. What we know is not what we've studied, it's what he has revealed by the spirit. And it's been revealed and it's been received in our heart. Because understanding starts in the heart. And then that has become itself. The substance of that word is now built inside of us. And so we not only know it here in our heads, but we can live it and demonstrate it. So we know with a knowledge that can't be shaken, it's Christ in us, right? And that's why the, this, this faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God is so we have to settle this, that there's no other source. I'm serious. So the knowledge we have is of what in this context? What's the knowledge we have in this context? Yeah, but we're talking about spiritual gifts. So the knowledge... Who, where does faith come from? God. God is knowing God. The faith, faith is knowing God, yeah? Okay, so we would know how God builds the church. We would have knowledge of the gifts of the Spirit and how they work and how they don't work and the pattern in which they flow. So if we have knowledge, we'll know the fivefold. We'll know how the fivefold operates. We'll know we must come under it. We know we must have it. We will know, you, you'll know the gift that you have and you'll know you're supposed to be serving with the gift. No one is to not be serving. So if you have this knowledge of gifts and you're not serving, there's a problem. Because the knowledge will have you serving. The knowledge will have you in a body. So to say you know the gifts and not be part of an active body is to not know. You're fooling yourself again. Okay. So the knowledge of faith that he wants to increase in this context, there's there's love, there's the eternal purpose. He wants us to know how this whole thing works because they are gifts of the Spirit given for the edification and the building up of God's body. It's real simple but profoundly deep. Thoughts, gentlemen? (laughs) 
Anyone? No? Yeah. Don't I, have to. No, I just, I, I totally agree. I think it's, it's so, it's so essential. Isn't it? <laughs> um, no, I just think it, it's so foundational what, what we're talking about. You know, and it, it'll have. Uh, I honestly think that for us to grasp this will have us being built according to his pattern. You know, as opposed to trying to build something that's not him. You know, so I, I feel like it's this is really key. What do we call that, Chris? What's that called? If we build, if the Lord's not building the house, it's building in in vain. Yeah. And so we've got to we've got to really build it according to His pattern. Full stop. Not really. It's full stop. And so that's really what God's been really doing in this place so powerfully is uprooting the old systems that we used to build by, and bring into place what He's doing and what He's building. Because otherwise, this we we might as well play church. And uh, do nothing, but but God is doing something very powerful here, and we've got to understand what He is building and how He builds. And uh, I'm no medical person or anything like that, <laughs> so excuse me if I've got some of this wrong. But I looked up organs, and uh, there's something like 78 organs in the body that's um, uh, very powerful, but they've all got to work together. They've all got to have to play their part to make it work. But there's five organs that you can't do without. Apparently there's the brain, the heart, the kidneys, the liver, and the lungs. So it's like the fivefold. <laughs> you know, it's like the fivefold. And then there was another 12 or something or other that uh, are also really, really important where you've got the, uh, the digestive, immune, reproductive system, the nervous system. Everything is so important. And it all works together in your body. But there's all these different parts that have to work and flow together. And uh, without that, it doesn't work. It doesn't function. And you soon discover when something doesn't function correctly, as I found out uh, a few years ago. And uh, when my uh, bladder um, was diseased and had to be cut out, um, uh, I hope everyone's all right with this, but it was... (laughs) It it, 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 it it couldn't function, so it had to be taken out. Now, what they did was they, they cut away the uh, the upper bowel, and they took that out, and they put that in as made it as a new bladder, and they put that in there to function as a bladder. Now, it's, it's an amazing operation of what they do, but this is the point. This new bladder thinks it's still a bowel, and it functions like a bowel. So this is my point, and that is that when you try and when there's a part missing, other people try and step into that role to function in that area, but the old DNA of what they were still comes through. And what we've got to realize is that God wants all of us to be part of where he wants us to be so that we can function how it's meant to be. And so, you know, somebody's not trying to be something, then they're not. They're doing the job okay, but there's so much more. And that's why we all need, no matter how big or how small, we've got to function in that way. So here's a question. Do you have understanding of the fivefold in a way that has changed your life? If I was to ask you to share on the fivefold, Preach on it right now because you have revelation of it. Could you? So I'm not going to ask you to. <laughs> Do you feel the tension there? <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's the thing. You need to. Everyone in this room and in this church, if that question was asked, should be able to or want to, or go on a journey to be able to at some point to go, yes, because I understand how the alignment works. I understand the gifts God gives. Now, he gives a variety of gifts, doesn't he? Some are for building, some are for edification and serving. They are different, and we're going to look at that. But if we don't understand this, it's like this. Who do the people say I am? I don't know. So then you give that that much that value. Those that don't know that Jesus is the Messiah live a life where they don't have him as Messiah. So if we don't know the giftings God gives as the church who's given the gifts to, you may be sitting on a gift 
that he wants administering, exercising here, but you've got no idea about the gift you're sitting on or even the way it works. Well, then you're not going to operate in it, which means the body's lacking. So this is what this faith, the knowledge of God brings us into. We're able to see the design and how it all flows so then our lives come under it. Otherwise, certain giftings freak people out. That's why they killed the apostle and the prophet. I give you gifts, apostle and prophet, and they are the key to knowledge. Why do you think the demonic is so active of trying to take those two giftings out? Because they carry a gracing that the others don't. But they work as a team. They're not better than one another. They are the same but different. But if we don't know this, I guarantee you, those two giftings will be very offensive to your flesh. And so in that, if that remains, then there's no oneness there, is it? It's a divided house, and a divided house cannot stand. And so, you know, let's continue. Um, this is fascinating. For just, this is verse 4. For just as we have many members in one body... And all the members do not have the same function. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. Thoughts, Sam? I think, um, I feel like Chris touched on this just before, you know, talking about the the physical functioning of the body and, and, and the different parts, you know? And I think for me, like, the, like the, the key thing is that we're not... Um, we, we talked last two weeks ago about the difference between being conformed and being transformed, you know? And I think, to, to me, the, the biggest thing is that we're not trying to mould each other into the same mould to do the same thing, you know? We're becoming like him on the inside, and there's a natural and beautiful expression that's unique, and it's unique in the expression, but it's not unique in the life. Yeah. It's not unique in the substance that you're operating right. through and from. Yeah. And so, I feel like as we get into this more, and as we, as a body, mature more, there'll be a greater freedom that you don't, you don't need to to be like someone else. To, to play your role well and to add value to us as a body. And when we, I, I feel like when we see this, the, the role that everyone's to play and that everyone has a place um, and that everyone has value to add in him if they're operating in the way that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, that if you see then someone else with another gift, the only potential outcome is that you're better off by them growing in their gift. Do you see what I'm saying? If, if you're thinking about it from yourself and, you're, and you don't see the perspective of the body, you'll constantly be looking at other people's gifts and you'll start to see them thrive and it will make you insecure. But if you see the context that we're looking at here, that, the, that everyone has a unique place and a unique expression of Christ to bring to the body, you will, you'll see someone else thrive and you'll see it and you'll be like, oh my goodness, I, can, I am greater and better because you've grown. Even though I, I might not have even grown from that yet, you know that someone else thriving in their gifts gives you a better opportunity to enter into the fullness of Christ. And so all of a sudden, we empower one another. We equip one another. We enrich one another. We add value to one another. We don't devour one another, which is what we see in this New Testament church who, um, who were in some ways a good example, but they were also an example not to follow. But Paul saw the potential in them and was speaking to them for their edification to say, guys, come on. Let's get back on track. Fix your eyes on the on the prize. Let's grow up into all things in Christ. You know, so it's an it's an awesome opportunity, eh? Um, that we we all have a, a role to play um, to to empower and build one another up. So, I think the um, to me it relates back to the do not think more highly of yourself than you ought because that thinking actually is flesh thinking, you know. To compare ourselves with each other is 
demonic thinking. It's not, it's not how um, Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit interact. That's our model. And it's like the freedom of, of being set free from that is, is incredible. And it's so beautiful. And that is part of what um, demonstrates him on the earth. Because like what other group of people would be built in such a way that they only have love for each other and they're only believing for each other. They're not comparing and thinking, oh, I, I feel a little bit, you know, because that person's a little bit more whatever. It's just not, our, it's not kingdom thinking. And, and the thing is, when, if that comes up, again, don't be afraid of when flesh manifests. It's because he wants it out. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So don't don't try and cover over and oh I mustn't think like that. I mustn't think like that. Face it and bring it to the Lord. I'm thinking like that. That's not like you. Show me the root of that so that that's part of our transformation as well. And I think it's really really important that we this is why it's so important to know him and to know who we are in Christ. Because yeah. if we don't really know who we are in Christ, we will then compare ourselves with everybody else. And I've fallen into that trap myself, you know, because you start looking. And what happens is when you start looking at somebody else's gift, suddenly the, you know, the blockage starts in here and it stops you from being able to operate the way that God intended you to. And God's given each of us a measure of, of grace, a, a sphere, a, a metron to work in like that. And I mean, you know, why would he give you something like uh, a prophet? Uh, you know, anointing if you were never graced for it. He wouldn't. He, he knows the capacity of what you are. And so when you start to operate in that capacity, actually you thrive because you're actually is flowing out of you rather than you trying to be someone you're not. And so everybody's so, it's so important that we understand that. And when you look at, uh, you know, when you have a heart attack, often what is it? that is it the heart that fails? Often it's a little vein that's blocked. A little wee part blocks that. What happens is when you have something like that, it blocks the heart. The heart can't function properly. The blood's not supplying it. It means that the lungs suddenly can't breathe. Then it sort of starts to affect the brain, doesn't it? So there's all these things, but it was a very, very little wee thing that actually blocked it. So every part of the body is so important that it all plays its part, so everything flows and you'll find a body that flourishes. Which is why all our inner realms have to be changed. Because if we don't have, we're not operating from the divine nature, DNA, we will rip each other apart. We will compete with one another because we're insecure. We're like kids at a kindergarten fighting over a truck. That's mine, that's mine, that's mine. I will covet and so, but I, if I have the nature, if I allow God into that inner recess of who I am and allow his word to transform my nature, love, joy, peace, now that nature with the gift in hand is Christ-like. And that's why Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, is so, uh, Romans is so important. If you don't lay your life down and allow him to do that deep inner work, you won't be able to live from the DNA, you will manifest you still, which is Timothy. Difficult times will come. Why? Because men will be lovers of self, and they will deny the power of God, but they will have a form of godliness. So that's a dangerous person with a gift in hand who denies the power of God to change their nature. Lord, Lord. Yeah, but you didn't know me. We didn't have. You didn't let me into the recesses of your heart. So you did all that in my name, but it's your will. I'm sorry, son, daughter. So this is why it goes hand in hand, and one defines the other. We tend to want to go external. He wants to go internal. And I love this verse 5. Um, so we who are many are one body in Christ. And individually, members of one another. No! 
of us chose each other. He chose us to be his family. Hey, you don't get a say. You just got to come under what he says. Oh, no, Lord, they annoy me. Yeah, you annoy them. Yeah. But, Lord, you don't understand. Oh, yes, I do. You annoy me, Simnor. Certainly not, Lord, not me. Don't think more highly of yourself, Simnor. Oh, no. (laughs) So what do we think, guys? Chris, you got any thoughts on this bit? Yeah, I've been dwelling in uh, Colossians, which has been an amazing book. Listen to this. Um, Verse 10, it says, um, And you have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. And then verse 12, it says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you must do also do. But above all, put these things on, uh, put love on, which is the bond of perfection. Isn't that interesting? But look at this. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body. And be thankful. Did you know you were called to be part of one body? It's interesting that it, like, it, to me, I find it interesting that it says, and individually members of one another. And once again, I feel like we see this, um, this kind of multifaceted thing, you know, like if I can put it into, into words, it's like, it's like, same, same, but different. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I've got here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bearing all things, my brother. There. <laughs> yeah. No, but honestly, it is. It's, it's, it's that we're to be this. We're to be the same. It says, "Unite." Um, Ephesians talks about being united in one spirit, and yet, what we we're talking about before, there's a, there really is like we are individual members of of one body. You know, and this might be a really bizarre typology, but I like. I think like it's this is not a same sex marriage, you know. Like marriage is beautiful because you have two individual people that make up a, a one. It's not about taking two the same and trying to put them together in covenant, thinking that it's going to work because you both look the same. You see what I'm saying? Uh, I'm, here, here, I'm not talking. I'm not actually talking about marriage. I'm talking about a spiritual, you know. Spiritual oneness. So for us as the body, we're not trying to be conformed to being like, to being bricks, to being uniform, to being all the same. We're being, we're being living stones created as a holy temple, being individual, and yet our our entire identity is in Christ as a body, in the role that we play it into, into the whole, as opposed to our own unique individual calling, purpose, gifting, that sort of thing. That's why it's so um, it's so key to have a revelation of the body yeah. because we literally don't have an identity outside of it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and I think um, when I came to The Rock, I didn't have any revelation of the body and, and it was like I, I knew there was this relationship with me and him but I knew that he was calling me into what I didn't know, you know? And as he's opened that up to me, it's like there is no way I can live outside of this this close working of the Holy Spirit building his body and my part in that. And it's like it, it's so full and there's no way that I can grow in him in accordance to his design, in accordance to his divine purpose, outside of that place. So it's all linked up with with his divine purpose as well. All of these things are the things that we need to know absolutely, and it completely annihilates all the fleshly, worldly thinking that it's about me and my 
individual kind of relationship with God alone? Can I just slightly throw just something slightly different to that? Is I, I believe you can grow individually because the Holy Spirit grows the church. But you will never fulfill the fulfillment of the whole picture outside of a body. Okay? So... Um, it's it's unity within diversity, diversity within unity, spirit led unity. See, but what we do is we confuse it with conformity, and so we try and conform to oneness through a functioning goal. This is how we try to get unity in the body of Christ. We're going to go reach the world, and we're going to rally all the troops to go reach the world. Function doesn't work because it's actually kingdom of darkness thinking, okay? It's, that's conformity. We're all conforming to something, doing something. Oneness, unity is only found in Christ. And God's been talking to me a lot about relationship and fellowship. We actually need fellowship with the Father, the Son, the Spirit, and one another. We can have a very shallow relationship with the Father, Son, and the Spirit, and one another. We need fellowship. Now you could say fellowship is a deep relationship. But we use the word relationship a lot. And I actually did a bit of a study and you actually find the word fellowship more than relationship. And when I had a look, relationships mentioned a lot in titles rather than in the text. And this is what happens. It becomes so subtle. Relationship, relationship. No, the Bible actually uses the word fellowship, and it uses the word fellowship for a real intentional purpose because when you understand they devoted themselves to fellowship, not relationship, it has a whole different spin because fellowship is oneness with the Father, Son, Spirit, and one another. And where you find oneness, you'll find the diversity of the gifts being used to enhance oneness. But the problem is you can even hear that and hear conform. Oh, these people are trying to conform me to a pattern. They're trying to conform me into something I don't want to do. No, no. It's the diversity is found in the spiritual oneness. And that is the pattern you see in the entire Bible. So it, that's what Sam, you know, take it into the marriage covenant. A man and a woman come together for the purpose of what? Fellowship. So I have fellowship. I have fellowship. Fellowship, fellowship, fellowship with everyone that's one with him. This is why our relationship with him or our fellowship with him is vital. Because to the depth you have fellowship as an individual is to the depth you have fellowship as a body. Hence why when things get said, someone who has a shallow relationship can't hear the depths of a fellowship from someone here. That's where you can get confusing and all these things. Oh, you either don't hear it or you hear the complete wrong thing. You get offended. Like, what are you going on about? I didn't say that. What are you saying? See? So this is so vital. I, I, I love this because I think this, that one verse says so much. Um, when I read that, I go, I can't be a lone ranger. You know, people say this, oh, yeah, but the body of Christ. I'm part of the body of Christ. Where's the body you hang out with? Oh, you know, they're in Africa, and they're in England, and, and they're over here, and, I, and I'm a part of that body. Oh, okay. Sounds like an individual way of thinking to me. Because how do you exercise, exercise your gift if there's no physical people around you? How do you, how do you scratch the itch of the other part of the body, or how do you fulfill? What? You see, this is where we go because we're ultimately resisting change and transformation. So we create these false truths that we believe and buy into that sound really good, but they're not. And when you realize this, it's like, oh my goodness, because he opens your eyes because your thinking has led you astray. And he shows you why it's so important. You realize you're part of a body. So the body is made up of individuals. Without individuals, you can't have a body. So he rescues us as an individual. And then he says, right now, you need a renewing of your mind because you flow now in a body. You can no longer be an individual. You're part of a body who is an individual that's in a body. But you live for the body. You'll know them by the way they lay their lives down for 
themselves, one another, which means you serve people with who you are, not just your gift, your very life. Paul said, I bring my entire life and the ministry. They're not two, they're one, but one is first. See, we want to serve ministry, do ministry, but we don't want to give our lives to each other. That's a whole different thing, man, this here, eh? That's why it's like, no, it's going to stop me being me. No, you're going to find you. You're going to find the person you are predestined to be. And I think, like, to me, while this is such a, a connected thing, it's also a completely disconnected thing. You know, we're talking about, because the way that I hear Greg describing about the investment in a body can only actually come if you've been separated from one another. And so here, we, here we're getting into two sides of, of the one coin, you know, because I think, and I feel like this is a really important perspective to bring, especially as we've talked a lot about how important it is that we play our role so that others can receive. At the same time, we need to be free enough for one another that, that we're intent on playing our role well, regardless of how we're treated, regardless of no one else does theirs, I'm, I'm going to play mine. Because it says about Jesus, who was, he, he was love in his entire, he, he had become love. Are we done? That's right. Um, woo. <laughs> deep. That's how you get the deep voice, you know? <laughs> 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 the reverb. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm thinking about now. Oh, so it says, um, "Come back, guys. Come back. This is important." Um, you know, it, it says, um, "It says about Jesus that um, he didn't entrust himself to man because he knew what was in man." And so while there's a greater fullness that comes when everyone plays their role out and everyone receives from one another entering in. There's also this place of being free from one another so that you don't use each other not entering in as an excuse for why you are where you are. You see what I'm saying? That, to me, that's, that's the beauty of a selfless love where you can, you can play your role in the face of everyone else, um, regardless of whether they, they do or not. So it's, it's, to me, it's, it's both of those things. And you see the, the what could be if everyone did, but you don't. You hope all things for that, but that doesn't prevent you and take you out from going all out and um, yeah, playing playing your role well. So. I think too also that um, we've got to learn to get over past hurts because a lot of people that aren't fellowshipping or walking or contributing to the body is because of past hurts. And it has been partially brought about, too, because of the wrong models that have been displayed. And when man has taken over and done it, it's become a dictatorship or it's become you've become chattels. You've become objects of you know, a means to an end rather than what God wants to build in us. But if we just hold on to that, well, I was hurt and I'm not going to ever trust in him again or I'm just going to go out – we will always be an individual person, and yet we can still go to a church. You know, we, we can be part of the church, but not actually contributing to the life flow. And that's not how God wants to build it. And that's what we're trying, you know, that's what God wants to build in here, is for all of us to be part of that life flow, that life blood giving. You know, it's so important that we actually lay that down. If it is holding you back, you know, talk with someone about it. Yeah. Let's get it out. Let's, let's get it and you into a position of being able to contribute, not because of anything else, but purely in your heart. And then you come into that freedom. I'm just going to reiterate Romans 12, 1 and 2 again. Can you see why it's so important? You lay your life down and let him build you so when offense comes, offense doesn't take you out. See, love endures all things because love has been perfected in the church. So when offense comes, it holds no record of wrong. See, that's what happens. The offense takes everyone out. It takes the person out that's been offended. It's also taking the person out that brings the offense. And so the church isn't being built. And both people go, oh, the church hurt me. 
So you get this church that's full of hurt people because they haven't laid their lives down and allowed him to go to work. So it's a it's a, like it's catch twenty two. So we throw the baby out with the ba- the baby out with the bathwater, and everyone's doing this, but there's no one there that's actually can actually withstand and endure and bear and believe and hope all things because we haven't gone through the process, and it's an ongoing process. But there's a process of true breaking that enables you now to come into being perfected in love, that enables you to go through trial and tribulation and suffering for Christ for your brothers and sisters, even if they have no concept that's what's happening. This is why those two scriptures are vital. And at the end, so that you may prove what the will of God is that is good and acceptable and perfect. Do you think he wants us as a body to be able to be the living demonstration and the reflection of him on the earth? Yes. Well, we won't unless we're going through verses 1 and 2. We will devour each other with our freedom. Hence, Paul says, make sure you don't devour your one another with your freedom. So you can't get away, but you can't get away from this true worship, true worship, and coming to realize that God is the provider and the source of your life. He will build this life in you that you can love Sam or Sam can love me, and love covers or love covers a multitude of offense. Father, forgive. For Sam or Greg do not know what they're doing. It's so powerful to know that and see that and to be able to offer forgiveness. How many times, Lord? Seven? (laughs) See, love never runs dry. Love can continually forgive because it's full, and that's all it knows how to do. Love doesn't know how to hold a fence. Love knows how to love. Questions, eh? Because I reckon if we go, we hang out for another 15 minutes. Questions from the floor. If you need to go, go. Yo. How close are we as a church to that position of fellowship? Because it's an individual thing, meaning we'll only be, we're only as close as we are individually to Christ. So there's pockets of it where some are in more fellowship with Christ than others. Um, so I don't really want to put a measure on it or a sort of a percentage on it. Um, but I'll say this as a whole, we're still a long way to go. As a whole, we're there, but we've got a long way to go. Can you hear what I'm saying? So we have the the seed is planted. It's there, but it needs to become a tree. And so the Spirit wants to water it and build through the living Word and the Spirit so that seed, kingdom seed, which gets thrown out, becomes 30, 60, 100-fold worth of fruit in us. And that's why, you know, when we start speaking or whatever, it's like there's such oneness, and we'll all finish each other's sentences. You're trying to articulate something, and you'll go, I know what you're trying to say. It's this. So, yeah. And we've been on this for 10 years. So... Still got a way to go, but we're there. Sounds funny, eh? But we're not. Good question, Bruce. Phoebe. I do have a question. I'm just uh, wanting to uh, uh, share this. Uh, I know you all have been reading from different translations, but one translation of Romans 12, 5, which helped me, uh, is the new King J- uh, NIV, the New International. So I'll just read it to you all. So in Christ... We, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And I thought that that, 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 phrase, uh, that phrase, each member belongs to all the others, have helped me when I think about it. And, I'm, and <laughs> just thinking, if you belong to me, I belong to you. I belong to you, you belong to me. You know, 
when you think in terms of belonging, you know, you actually want to take care of something yeah. which is belonging. Yeah. When you come, you know, when we come together, you know, just to have that thought that, you know, we belong to each other, you know, and, and that, that's, that's, that's beautiful, Phoebe. And I love the thing about, you know, it talks about a husband caring for his wife and loving his wife. And, you know, as you take care of your body, <laughs> you know, and um, so if we see ourselves as members of each other, so as you would care for your own body, so you care for one another. Very, very lovely. And see, the institutional model says it's the paid people that are responsible for taking care of the sheep because that's why we pay you. That's institution. That's kingdom of darkness thinking right there. Okay? That's why, ultimately, obviously, we can't all care for one another. Let's say there's, I don't know, 250 people part of the rock. I can't care for 250 people. Okay? I have people like Danielle, my children, my guys I walk with. That's why we get into the discipleship smaller groups because that's where pastoral care happens. <laughs> You know, if we all got into that and we're living that, not just turning up and have cups of tea on a Tuesday night, because what Phoebe is describing, you can turn up every Sunday and not be in that. You can go to the Cypher Group every week and not be that. All you're doing is having meetings and chatting about Jesus. Okay. It is so boring, you're right. <laughs> it's about meeting Christ, you know. And so we all have to look into our own hearts and go, where am I within that? You know? And that's the challenge. Another question? I don't know how to use these. <laughs> Just like that? <laughs> uh, for quite a few years, um, I've got used to the idea of a relationship with God. Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but this um, this new slant of having a of being in fellowship with God has quite different connotations. And a relationship uh, with God kind of implies that God is a different kind of entity, whereas fellowship uh, puts us on in the same room. Yeah, I, I I agree. What else do you have to say? I think ab absolutely, absolutely, that's fantastic. You know, um, and I think like like um, you know, it says Emmanuel, God with us. You know, and God became a man and dwelt among us. You know, and Jesus, it is. It's it's a genuine, real fellowship, connectedness. It's it's you know. I had a good friend of mine who was a Jehovah's Witness, and so he would be evangelizing to me about the Holy Spirit being a force. And you know, it's like, to me, it is. It's, it's such. It's a completely different mindset, I think, to, to realize that God is a person, you know, and a person that we can know. So I, I just think absolutely, I absolutely agree with you. I think um, Jesus prayed, didn't he, in John 17, I pray that they would be one, spiritually one with me. And the challenge is we can honor physical relationships above spiritual ones. I've seen this where people are so close relationally that when I get offended, he gets offended. And so we both walk away. And we walk away from fellowship, not realizing it, because our physical relationship is greater than our fellowship with God and his people. So he's hurt, I'm hurt. Who caused the hurt? That person over there. Okay, let's get out of here. And you just take yourself out of, because you value physical relationships above fellowship relationships or fellowship with God and his people. You see, this is why. It, what this does, Roy, is you start choosing as God would choose. So you start seeing as he sees. So when Jesus says, you're not my mother, Mary, you're not my brother, and you're not my sister, it's these people here that you don't even know. That becomes highly offensive 
to those people who are, you are in relationship with because you are choosing others over them. You're choosing spirit line over bloodline. But see, fellowship has nothing to do with, sorry, relationship has nothing to do really, if you can hear, I'm using the word relationship in the context of physical with genealogy. Jesus was not of the order of a Levitical tribe. He came from Judah. Has anybody heard of a priest out of Judah? No, that's right, because he's of the order of Melchizedek, the fellowship of the Spirit. So when he turns up, he says, you guys aren't yet of the Spirit line, but you're predestined to be. But then they what? Didn't honor him because they didn't understand him. They thought he was a nut job. And when, this is why he's constantly asking, who do you think I am? Who do you think I am? And it says Jesus had no honor in three places, his hometown, his household, and his relatives. That can be you and I. See, there's this shift that needs to happen from relationships to fellowship. Because absolutely, we can just have shallow relationship, which means we can have shallow fellowship. But we, we like each other. Shallowship, yeah. We, yeah, we physically like one another, we get on, we smile, but the depth of oneness we don't have. And that's why you can get two people, 10 and 10 people in a room, and 10 are going, this is amazing. Oh, my goodness, this is filling my spirit. Keep preaching it. And no one else is asleep beside you. Because they don't have fellowship with the frequency that's coming out of someone's mouth, see? And so it is. And they devoted themselves to fellowship. When you think of um, troops fighting like that, it's usually the, the fellowship among them that they, they defend each other because they have a relationship that's formed, a bond that's formed that's not shallow. And so they, they protect each other. They, they, they guard each other's backs. And it's the same thing here. I mean, we've been called to go from a cruise ship to a, you know, a battleship. So the fellowship is you've got to know the person, the people that you're living with, the people that you know intimately, because when the times of pressure comes, that'll be the real test of how deep that fellowship really is. And so there's so much there that God really, really wants to do in that. Can I just say this, though, that it, I can maybe not know you and have fellowship with you. It's not about us knowing each other. It's about us knowing him. That's cool, isn't it? Can you see that frees us from, you know what? I can't open up to Sam until I know Sam because I don't know how I can trust Sam. So I've got to keep this all to myself. So I've got to take two years to get to know Sam before I can trust Sam, before I can actually let Sam know who I really am. Then Sam leaves because he gets a work promotion. Now he's not. Then I have to do it with the next person and the next person. And I never get to get free because I'm trying to get to know people so I can trust people. It's a recipe of disaster. See, I can know him that sets me free of the fear of Sam, so I just say this is how it is because I'm not looking to impress Sam and I'm not looking to find Sam to be my healer because I found my healer. His name is Jesus. He's the source of my life. So I have fellowship. It just releases us from all the garbage we buy into and keeps us in bondage because we have fellowship with him. We means we have fellowship with each other. And it says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin, you know? And I think that's what it is. You know, we would talk about if your eye is single, your whole body is filled with light, you know? And it's, it's that, um, to me, it's, it's that posture, that's this, um, this unity and this oneness. That's 1 John 1 to 7, if you want to go meditate on that. 1 John 1 to 7. John talks about it. Sandra, can you wrap up in prayer? Thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you that you have drawn us together. Thank you that we belong to one another. Thank you for your word that is truth, that comes in to, to separate the soul from the spirit, to come into the deep innermost parts and set us free. And, Father, as we go through... Out of this place and into the week, Lord, we go, Lord, not 
away from fellowship, but in fellowship, in fellowship with you, in fellowship with one another, that your word would live and abide in us richly and it would have its way in us. Lord, all the things that have been spoken tonight, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would continually um, burn within us and that we would go after the things that you've highlighted, that we would not ignore them or push them aside, but we would seek you. And we would ask you questions and we would come to you with our hearts wide open for you to lead us further and further and further in what you are revealing so that it may be built in us according to your way and the fullness that is in your heart. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the preciousness of sharing life together in this time and age in the whole history of the world. Lord, thank you that you have placed us here for this time and for this season. In Jesus' name we honor you. Amen.